Father, we thank you for your power. Thank you for your love towards us and to us, your children. Father, we worship you. We thank you because you're good, Master. You're good, O Lord. You're good, O Master. Nothing is impossible with you, O Lord. Nothing is impossible with you, O Master. Lord, the world has let us down, but you have never, ever let us down, O Master. Lord, even the lions, the young lions in the forest, Lord, do not cease from having their prey, O Master, because you, how much more us, O Master. Lord, Father, you have provided our every need. You met our every supplication, O Master. You blessed us beyond measure, O Lord, and you have healed us of all our diseases, O Master. And Lord, you have provided us a pathway unto the Lamb's book of life forever, O Lord. Father, we are free from every anxious thoughts, O Master. We thank you, O Lord, because you are good unto us, O Master. Father, even as we study about you and about your word today, O Lord, Lord, let it become real unto us, O Master. Let it real, the word become real today, O Master. Lord, let it be, this word be a breakthrough word for some people out here, O Lord. Lord, why not for everybody, O Master? For everybody, O Lord. Let it be a breakthrough word, O Master, to help us go further in our walk with you, O Jesus. And to do the things that we have not been able to do thus far. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, how many of you were there last time for the session? Uh, do not let God pass you by this year. Good. I mean, it was a great word. I really learned of so many things uh, from that word myself, just uh, st- studying that word. So, uh, I think God is teaching us a lot of things from the word of God, that something that can really, we can lay hold of. And of, of one thing that we learned last time was, do not let God pass by. God is a God who hides himself. It's interesting. We never, we never thought like that, why God would hide himself. But he is a God who hides himself. Because he wants us to, to seek him. He hides himself not that he will not be found. He hides himself so that he wants to know that you are searching for him. And when he finds it, when you find him, he has your blessing. And he does that all the time. Uh, and he talked about so many examples, just because for, for the ones who are not there. Uh, remember uh, Jesus walking up to the disciples in the sea to rescue them from the storm. He comes all the way from the mountain, down to the boat, and when he comes to the boat, he wants to pass by. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is so God. That's so much God. Because he, he knows you are in need. He knows that you are struggling. But he will not push his help onto you. He'll pass by. And then they all have to call out. And then he is ready to jump in. Right? Uh, let, examples of... Uh, which were the other examples we studied? Oh, the blind man, he passes him on the way. And, uh, you know, he calls out, son of David. Son of David calls him out and Jesus responds. Some more. Abraham. Remember the angels are coming to Abraham with the promise of the seed. And Abraham has to rush to them and say, don't, don't pass me by. Just hold on. In fact, the story is they have come for him. But it almost appears that they are going to pass him by. And that's what the Bible says. If Abraham was not ready to hold them, they would have ready to go away. And it was God with his angels. Three people, God with his two angels, came visiting Abraham with his promise of a seed. And Abraham had to rush. He went to Sarah and said, quick, 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 make some food. He went to his servant, cut, cut a lamb, do something. Get, let's get things going because I know this is not ordinary visitors. This is somebody special. Everybody knew. That's why Jesus cried over Jerusalem, saying what? If you are only known the time of your visitation. Jesus, that's why every time Jesus did a powerful miracle for his people in Jerusalem, he always told them one thing, what? Don't tell to anybody else. Why? Why is he always telling people, don't tell everybody? Because he is a God who wants to be sought. I don't want to be followed just because everybody is talking about me. No, 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 no. I want to be followed if you want me to, if you recognize me as God. It's so typical about God. He's a God who hides himself. And in our life, he, so our quiet times should be a time where we hold him back. You know, not like God stands outside the door and waiting for us. 
In fact, we studied that in uh, uh, the Song of Solomon, how the, the lover comes and knocks at the door and uh, the, uh, the lady is inside and she's sleeping. And she's, her excuses, you know, I've just gone, to, I've just put up my covers on and I've, you know, I've just, uh, you know, changed my dress and how can I get up and open the door? So by the time she has a change of mind, she goes up to open the door, what happens? He's already left. Again, the same thing. If only you had known the time of your visitation. So, I, so our quiet time should be times of, Lord, we are, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to miss it for anything else. I'm going to wait. I'm going to persist. So persist a little bit more. Pray a little bit more. Hang in there a little bit more. Because the ones who hang in a little bit more are the ones who get the promise. Like for example, the Canaanite woman. Jesus told, uh, Jesus, uh, Canaanite woman came and cried and said, Please, please. My, my daughter is tormented with a devil. Uh, please heal her. And Jesus said, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I, it's not good. Uh, it's not good to give the dogs, uh, the children's bread to the, do- uh, to, to the dogs. It's not good. And what did she say? So she, she didn't stop. She, she recognized the time of a visitor. She said, yes, Lord, I agree to what you're saying. But yet... Even the dogs who eat the crumbs that have fallen from your t- children's table. And Jesus said, you stop me there. You know, you stop me. So everywhere you see, persist a little bit more. Don't take no for an answer with God. <laughs> Don't take God. I mean, that is so funny. We have been always taught, you know, why, why you should not take no? Because he's waiting to see how much you persist. How much you really love me. Will you just go after me? Don't stop. Don't stop. Now, if you're praying for something totally ungodly, you better stop. What <laughs> you know? I'm saying is, don't consider a delay a denial. Don't consider a delay. That is why James, you know, we studied yesterday James in our uh, family Bible studies at home. He says, faith, when it's had its perfect work, is made perfect. And what is faith when it has made its perfect work? He said, when faith with patience, when patience had its perfect work. Faith, a lot of people have faith, but very few people have patience. A lot of people have faith, but they don't have patience. But James says, faith is good. But let me tell you the secret. The secret is patience. You have to wait. You have to persist. Don't give up. Man, we believers are so, so impatient. You want to pray one, claim one, and you want our answer, you know. But God is like, brother, can you just hang on a little bit? Show me that you persisting. Hang in there. You just have patience. Don't just because things don't appear to you as it is doesn't mean the answer is not there. It's there. Just praise God. But in the meantime, persist and patience. So three things in James. That itself is a powerful message. Three things in it. In any situation in your life, if you have a problem, first go to God and ask wisdom. Watch, why is this problem happening? What do I pray for? Number one, wisdom. When He shows you the wisdom, second, apply faith to it. So, wisdom from God. Second, faith. And once you apply faith, do not doubt Him, just be patient. Wisdom, faith, patience. Your answer will always come. Let me repeat. Wisdom, faith, patience, your answer, any answer, however impossible, it will always come. But you need to have, you go through the steps. First, ask God for wisdom. What is this area? Why, why is this happening? God will show it to you. He will show it to you. And then apply faith to it. Over a promise. What God has told you. Apply faith to it. And then finally, be, once you have done what you have done in faith, be patient. Just wait. Relax. Your season is coming. Doesn't it? A lot of people are impatient. Uh, like, uh, I'm praying for certain things and certain investments and certain stuff that I'm believing for, for certain things. God's saying, hey, don't keep on watching it. You know, Don't keep on hanging around. Don't be impatient. Just relax. Have faith and just be patient. It'll, it'll show up one day. No? It'll show up. Just be patient. Just be patient. No. So that was the message last time. Do not let the year pass by. Content. To, for 2010, the world is content. Don't let God pass by this year. Because God is standing at your door with your miracle, with your promise, with incredible things that you never thought of. But 
Don't stop. Don't stop. Just process them. The devil is going to freak out this year with you all. You know, he'll tell you thoughts that he's disappointed. He's not, this is not going to happen. You know, he has made this promise, but this is not going to happen. But do not let that confusion stop you. You contend. You just contend and hang in there. It will manifest this year. This year, it will manifest. Amen? This year, your promise will manifest. It will. This is your promise. It, this is a year of your promise. It will manifest. But content. Don't give up with confidence this year. Amen? Amen. The message today is, and this is so funny, you know how God knows our songs and our sharings? The message today is, with God, grace is possible. <laughs> with God, grace is possible. I want you to repeat after this because this is powerful. If you can get, the, get hold of this. With God, grace is possible. I want you to repeat after me. Maybe about three times. Let's say this. With grace, with God, grace is possible. With God, with God, with God, with God, grace is possible. With God, grace is possible. With God, grace is possible. What am I talking about? I want you to go to Matthew chapter 19. It goes to chapter 20 and ends in chapter verse 16. It's actually one passage. So, so there are three aspects of this passage. Number one, a rich young man comes and asks Jesus something. And then Jesus says about rich men. And then Jesus, Peter asks a question. Then Jesus replies to Peter and then tells a parable. So it's all one thought. So let me give you a, let me give you a clue on Bible studies. And this is what I've learned from a couple of the teachers. Uh, he said, never take a passage independently. Look at it as one complete thought. As one complete Read whole sections. Don't read just a verse. Because it's very easy to misunderstand what Jesus is saying just by one verse. Understand the whole passage, the whole, the whole segment. Now in this case, the whole passage starts from Matthew chapter 19 verses 16 onwards all the way to Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 16. So it's one thought. The chapters are just given there for convenience. It is not really put in there by the original writer. So it's one passage. So what's going on out here? So here you have a rich guy, rich young man. He comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what good thing should I do that I might have eternal life? Okay, what is Jesus' response to it? His first response to it is very, very, very interesting. He says, why do you call me good? Why would he say that? Wasn't Jesus good? It's amazing when you start looking at this 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 passage has some tough <laughs> tough verses. You know, a lot of you are rich, so you'll have a challenge out here. <laughs> because Jesus talks about rich people out here, right? We have a challenge here, so we are we're going to navigate some tough verses here. So we uh, so start looking at the passages again. Let's look at the first one. He says, so the first question is, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So why is Jesus saying, why do you call me good? I thought Jesus was good, right? So why is he asking him that question? Does Jesus have false humility? He is truth. He will not lie. If he is good, he will say he is good. But he asked him a question. Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Let me give you a clue. Remember last time we studied that a, a man came to Jesus and wanted to follow him. And Jesus told him what? He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And what happened after that? Nothing. And we studied last time, the problem was with the nothing. It was not that Jesus was not telling him to follow him. Jesus was putting it out there. That if you are going to come to me for the rest that comes in physical shelter, you may not get it. But 
are you willing to hang on and still follow me? And the, and the Bible says that that guy did not follow him. He moved on to the next guy. So, so in this case, so look at the same response. Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Why is he saying that? Not because he is not good. Not because he is not good. What is he trying to tell to the young man? It is good. Okay. Okay. So let's hold the thought. So it's a little confusing. Why is Jesus saying, "Why do you call me good"? Uh, Stanley said that. Because of this question, this question is, "What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life?" Yes. That's a clue. Look at the question what the man is asking. He's asking, good teacher. I like you because you are good. And I think that the secret to success is being good. So he's prefacing his problem with his solution. He thinks the solution for eternal life is to be good. So he starts off by saying to Jesus, good teacher, what good thing should I do to have eternal life? You see that? So Jesus immediately catches it. He says, why do you call me good? Wow. You know, you can't run by Jesus. Anything, even on a slant question, he's quickly. Because in the answer to the question is his eternal life. Have you thought about it? In the answer to that question is eternal life. Why? If the man would have answered, I call you good because you are God. He is saved. You see? If he had only told him, yes Lord, I call you good because you are God. Jesus says, what would Jesus' response be? You have got eternal life. Didn't he say that to the tax collector Levi when he landed in his house? He says, today salvation has come into this house. He didn't tell him about the Ten Commandments to that guy. He didn't. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He's so many places he gave salvation to a man who uh, was uh, brought down from the roof. He said, your sins are forgiven. Take up your bread and walk. And they were mad at him, not because he said, take up the bread and walk. He was mad at him because he said, your sins are forgiven. Because he was giving salvation. So if the, so Jesus gives him the answer in the question. He says, why do you call me good? Because there is no one good except God. So are you telling me that I am God? And what did the young man say? The young man didn't say that. You see, the young man didn't say that. His preoccupation was with his goodness. His preoccupation is with what good thing I can do. What good thing I can do. So Jesus, okay. So Jesus says, okay, you want to go by the law? Let me give you the law. So Jesus is not going to fight. You, you don't want a savior? That's fine. So let's go by the law. So let's go by the law. Uh, the reason I'm telling you is because you're going to learn something very important. As a believer, it's so easy to go back into works. It is so easy. Peter, what you're sharing is so true, you know? What you, I think the whole theme of uh, what God is bringing out is true. It's very easy to start depending on your works after you have been justified by grace. So let's look at this rich man. So he said, so if what if you want to enter life, so this man, so Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't respond to his question, why do you call me good? Did he respond to it? He doesn't. So Jesus persists. Now he says, okay, obviously you don't want a savior. So now you want to go by what good thing you can do. I can tell you, the law has been given by Moses. Let's go by the law. Keep the commandments. And then Jesus says him, and he says... <laughs> Can you have, give me a little, give me a little leeway? You know, is there any particular ones that you want me to keep? Because, you know, internally I know that I've kept pretty much everything, you know. <laughs> but is there any secret commandment in the Deuteronomy or Leviticus that I have overlooked, that I'm missing it? If you can give me that. And Jesus says, 
Which ones? And Jesus is like, wow, this guy is ready to walk with me all the way. Okay. So he says, let's go with all the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that pretty much covers all the law and all the prophets out there. And the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Wow. So Jesus responds. Jesus doesn't respond in condemnation. Look at this. So he says, you're keeping the law. You're saying that you kept the law. Okay. He says, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect or if you want to be complete, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So he said, if you want to be complete and if you say that you love your neighbor as yourself, correct? So you sell everything that you have and give it to your neighbor and come and follow me. And when the young man had heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this statement. And we have, we have, we have gone on tangent with that statement a lot. And we are trying to justify that statement, trying to help Jesus with that statement, you know, help ourselves with that statement. Assuredly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the, when the disciples heard it, what was their response? No, what was their response? They were astonished. I want you to go back to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 talks about the same uh, incident. Mark chapter 10, verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Astonished. They couldn't believe what they were hearing. Dears, and Jesus, but Jesus answered and said to them again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished again, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? What's going on out here? Why are the disciples astonished at this response of Jesus? Because Jesus makes a statement, he says, Assuredly, most certainly, there is no doubt about it. It's hard for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. And he says, he, if that was not enough, he goes on to make it more worse. He says, Assuredly, I, and again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go into an eye of a needle. Now how, how possible is that? A camel to go into an eye of a needle and a lot of some of the theologians during the last couple of centuries it was not before they tried to explain this away by saying that in Jerusalem uh, there is a gate called a needle gate uh, which is small so only a camel can barely get in if it if you remove all the stuff out from the camel and the camel sits down and people have to pull him then he can barely get in it was a way to make sure that, you know, no goods come in. But, you know, historians have, have tried to find that needle gate. There is no needle gate. <laughs> you know? How, as much as we want to make it a little bit possible for a camel to get into a needle, Jesus says it is impossible. What is he saying out here? He's saying it is impossible. What? No, just, is it just for a rich man? Any kind of man to get into the kingdom of God. Now the question is, if I, I, why were the disciples astonished? So if Jesus says, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, then why are the disciples astonished? If in today's world, that same sentence would emit a very different response. 
If Jesus comes here in today's in this meeting and says, you know what, it's tough for a millionaire to get into the kingdom of God. And we are like, yay, yay, yay. You know, because, you know, a lot of us are not millionaires. We are like, you know, no big deal, Jesus. So we don't go, wow, did you just say that? But the reason the disciples were astonished was why? Why? Why were they astonished that Jesus made that statement? Yes, they were so astonished that because here was a man who said that he kept all the works of the law, correct? He kept all the commandments of the law, correct? And he was being blessed by God. He was rich and he was prosperous and yet even he cannot get in. What about my chances? So being rich in those days was not a hindrance. It was a Blessing. So here was a man who was right in the sight of God. He did all the commandments. He kept everything. And according to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, he was blessed in increase. And he had great positions. And yet, he with all that, Jesus says, it's hard for him to get into the kingdom of God. And they are like, wow. And then they make, they make a statement. And they say, who then can be saved? So it's like, if Bill Gates cannot be invited to this country country club, who can be? Correct? If he cannot get in, who can? Because he had everything. He's got the works. He's got the riches. He's being blessed by God. He's got everything, but yet he cannot get in. Then who can be blessed? Who can be saved? And Jesus makes a statement. And he says what? Jesus looked at them and said to them, With God, this is impossible. But with, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So I want you to repeat. With God, grace is possible. With God, grace is possible. What is Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying, you, can, you cannot get into the kingdom of God with works. You cannot. Because just as, just as this rich man proved, when it comes to even the best perfect life, he could not make it. Because, not because he broke the law, because he did not keep the law, because he said that I love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus said, okay, let me test that. Okay, why don't you sell everything and send it to the poor and come? And his response was, I cannot do that. Because I don't love my neighbor as much as as much as I said I did. And I cannot follow you. It's just too much. I don't have a... That is why the Bible says constantly, and we were sharing that in the last couple of Bible studies. He says, I has not seen nor ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. And I always, I always understood it as like, nobody has seen the good things that God has done. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says that your natural eye and your natural ear has, cannot perceive how valuable Jesus is. Only your spirit man understands it. And if you start trusting your eyes and your ears to tell you how important the priorities of the kingdom is, you're going to always fall. You have to start depending on your spirit. You have to start living by your spirit. Because it has been revealed to your spirit and not to your eyes and not to your ears. Right? So the rich man could not see can you believe if this if God had suddenly opened his eyes, his spiritual eyes, and shown him the wealth of the kingdom of God? Do you think he would have responded in a different way? He would. For his castle and his for his positions. He would have sold it all. Remember, Jesus said a kingdom of God is like a man who, after finding a pearl of great value, sold everything that he had to buy that field, right? Because he understood that there's a pearl. But that revelation comes only to your only to your spirit. It will not come to your eyes and to your ears. And Jesus goes on to say, and now listen to Peter. And the fun part is out here. The fun part is just getting started. And Jesus looked at them and said, With God, this is impossible, but with God, but man, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now Peter answered and said to them, What? <laughs> what does Peter say out here? Look at what Peter is saying. 
See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Now, this is the problem of the believer works. Now, it's the believer speaking, right? Now, it's not the heathen. Now, it's the one who is in the kingdom. Now, Jesus responds to Peter. Assuredly, I say to you, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of glory, he, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve tribes, twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, land, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And then he goes on to make a statement. He says, but many who are first will be last. And the last first and then he goes on to make a parable. And I let's go to the parable quickly. Somebody can read the parable. Verse, uh, chapter 20 verses 1 to 16. Now Jesus is talking about the laborers in the vineyard. And he's uh, saying this parable in response to whom? His response to Peter. Correct? Because Peter said, I have, we have left everything and followed you. So what are we going to get? And Jesus says, you're going to get a hundredfold in this life. Uh, and in the life to come, and in the age to come, you will get eternal life. But let me kind of help you here. Many who will be first are going to be last, and many who are last will be first. And he goes on to explain that statement, which he says, that many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. How many of you have read that passage, that said this before? The first will be last, and the last will be first. And what is he talking about in the parable? We have this here. This is the master who has a vineyard, and he's going and he goes early in the morning, the first hour. He goes to a group of laborers, and what is the verse out there? Verse two. And then he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. He sent them out into the vineyard, and then he went on the third hour. He saw some people, and he told them what? You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give it. To you. And then he kept going. He did it. And finally he went to the 11th hour guys. And he found somebody standing. And said why have you been standing here idle all day. And they said to them. Because no one hired us. And he said to them. You also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right you will receive. And the vineyard. Had, when the evening had come. The owner of the vineyard said to the steward. Call the laborers and give them their wages. Beginning with the last to the first. When he called the 11th our laborers, what was their response to the steward? Uh, the last guys, when they came and they got a denarius, what was their response? Nothing. They were happy. They were joyful, no complaints, nothing. They went out. And then finally, the guys who were called, who worked the whole day, they came. And they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received what? The same amount. And when they received it, they complained against the landowner. And they said, these last men have worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and heat of the day. So to them... Why did they get a denarius? They felt the denarius was due them as wages, as debt, because of what? Because of the burden and heat of the day. Correct? But then the, the steward, the master answered, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? You did. Take what is yours. And go your way. I wish to give to the last man the same as to yours. And he says, is it not lawful for me to give to whom I wish whatever I have with my things? What? Why should you complain if I want to give somebody else the same thing that I give you? You earned it by your works. But to this guy, I will give it by grace. I'll give it by grace. I will just give it because I want to. Who are you to complain? Do you have an evil eye? And the guy walks away. Because he had agreed for a dinnerus. He had agreed that his wages would be what he gets. And what is Jesus saying? 
Don't come to me with your works. Come to me asking for grace. Because grace will go much further than what your works can do. Amen? You know, why do you think the master was calling the laborers into the vineyard? Was it to do his vineyard chores? He was not there. That was just the excuse. He was calling them into the vineyard to bless them. The vineyard was just the test of those who would respond in obedience to walk in. Really, that was not much work. Let me tell you a secret. How do I know that? I just know by the spirit. The vineyard was all done up. <laughs> the vineyard was all done up. The work was done. It was finished. He just wanted to give them a generous. That's how God is. He just wants to call you to enjoy what Jesus has already done. And he wants you to walk in in grace. Don't come in and say that I've borne the heat of the day. Don't come in and talk to him that. Don't come in and talk to him that. Don't tell him, Lord, I've sacrificed so many years for your ministry. Please, don't even go there. Walk in in grace. If you walk in in grace, ministry will never be a burden. Walk in in grace, man. Brothers and sisters, walk in grace. You will receive more in your life than you can ever accomplish with your works. And as a believer, it's so easy to quickly to get into works. I want to be here. I want to do things. No, 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 no. You were justified by faith. And in faith you entered into grace. Don't start working on your works and depending on that to bless you. The enemy will always attack you when you start operating in works. You operate in grace. Say, Jesus, I, I, don't hold, I don't bring my works to you, Jesus. I'm coming in with grace. I am the 11th man. I'm here only for one hour just to freak out. You know, I believe in you. I believe in your provision. I'm going to believe everything that you've done is enough for me. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to walk in. Therefore, we were sharing. Walk in the rest that Jesus has purchased. Don't walk in with your works. Because our mentality as as as, as our traditional Christianity has always taught us was we need to work out, work it out, right? We need to work it out. Everything we need to work it out. If you miss your quiet time today, boy, God is angry today with you. If you don't do this, you are, God is angry with you. You have to do this, you have to do that. Stop work, living on your works. Operate in the liberty that Jesus has given you, the liberty of grace. And if you do in grace, you will do much more than what you would do otherwise with work. Amen? Amen. Walk in grace. So repeat after me. With God, grace is possible. So what is the master telling to the rich man? He says, no rich man can enter the kingdom of God. But with God, grace is possible. I'm going to decide that guy gets in, Ranjit gets in, Gary gets in. Why? They're rich, but they're going to get in. Why? Grace. Because they are not depending on their riches to get in. They are depending on me. I am going to get them in. Amen? Amen? I want you to see the difference in the way Jesus was so, so careful about grace. We talked about grace is like an ocean and we are all sinking. I want you to go back to Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. All of Ephesians is all about grace. Ephesians chapter 2. Right. You know, that is, that's interesting. The guys who came uh, at the last and said, we, uh, they supposed that they would get more. Let me ask you a question. Why did the guys who came in the first hour, why did they get a denarius? Because they, it was agreed with them, correct? But look at it from a, di- a different picture. Were they more were, were they more qualified 
to receive a dinaras more than the guy who came at the eleventh hour. Were they more qualified? Why? No. Why? Qualified. What was their qualification? They were just happened to be the first to be called. It was nothing about their qualification. Where in this passage does it show that the master evaluated their skills? Now, where did master go? By the way, do you do vineyard work? No. There was he was just calling anybody. He was like there was some guy standing outside, and he said, "What are you doing out here?" It was not like he wanted laborers. No, he just wanted to get them in. You see the. I think what we all miss is the picture of this parable. The parable was never about the vineyard work. The parable is all about the generosity of the master. You see that? The, the deception is that I worked. But the truth is, there was no work to be done. You just happened to be called earlier. Do you see the picture of grace? You just happened to be called. Why? Because we know why that is true. Because... Remember the 11th hour guys, when the master came and asked them, what are you doing out here? What was their response? Nobody hired us. Did they say, we are not qualified to work? Their only problem in not being eligible for a denarius was what? Nobody called me. If I had called at the first hour, do you think they would have not gone? They would have gone. So so what was the uh, qualification of receiving a denarius? Call! Say call. Call. So I am, are you called? Yes. Say I am called. called. To do what? That's a trick question. Yes! So see the deception that the enemy will say is you are called to? Work! But what is the truth? You are called to? Rest! Can you see the picture? You are called to rest. You are, in this parable, you are called to do what? You are called to get a denarius. That's it. Do you get the picture? You have nothing to boast with God. Amen. Oh man, that will just set you free. I mean, you can pray for dead to be raised up. Why? I don't care I'm righteous or not. I want my denarius. Rise up. I don't care. I'm not going to walk on my righteousness for healing. I'm not going to walk on righteousness for victory. I'm not going to walk on my righteousness to be debt free. I'm not going to walk on my righteousness for my seed. I'm not going to walk on righteousness for my wisdom. I am refused to. I want you to get this totally as a picture. You refuse to rest on your labor. Refuse to even utter that word. I have borne the heat of the day. Refuse to say that. I I refuse to rest on my labor to receive from Christ Jesus. Amen. Do you you see that picture? Jesus saying, don't let your works come before me. Your works are filthy. Filthy. No wonder the disciples are astonished. You're like, man, if this guy can't get it. No one of us. It was never about the rich man. You see, we have always said that it's about the rich man and the richness is a hindrance. No! It was not about the rich! The first man of faith was a rich man. Who? The richness has nothing to do with entering the kingdom of God. He's called the father of all. In fact, in today's world, Jesus said, no rich man cannot enter and say, praise the Lord. At least we can all get it. You know? Because we look at poverty as a blessing, you know. The world is changed so upside down. No, poverty is a blessing and riches is a curse. Oh, wow. It is never about the rich. It's about your works. I refuse to rest on my work. I'm going to walk in. I want my dinars. I want my dinars. I'm going to walk in in grace. Not because I did anything. Master called me. I am here. Where is my wages? Right? And my wages comes out of grace. If you start believing in walking in this... You will see miracles happen by popcorns in your life. 
let me ask you a trick question. Why do you think he called the 11th hour guy first? Why did he call the 11th hour laborer first to give the wages? Not to prove a point. No, not to. Why, why do you think he called the last guy first? He was, e- he was eager to show grace. Yes! Why do you think God. We didn't hear what you said. He was eager to show grace. He is eager to show his grace. Why is he eager to show his grace? Why is he calling the last guy first? son in whom I am well pleased. Was it about works? It's about grace. It's about grace. Before Jesus did any work, God called him my beloved. Do you think he's changed? He's, he will change his criteria just because it is you right now in the picture? He calls you his beloved even before you have done even one act. And he's, and in fact, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2 and this will blow your mind. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 4 to 10. Can somebody read that? Love? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in his heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is from it is the gift of God. Not by good works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay. That passage is a powerful passage. If you can memorize it, that is, we need to do that. That Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. That he will show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works. Let anyone should first. But that is not the good part. The good part is in the last word. Verse 10, what does it say? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared when? Beforehand. Uh, let me uh, give you the basic translation. God has prepared beautiful, blessed uh, things and outcomes for you beforehand. For you to now walk in. You see the difference? 
He is already prepared beforehand all the best things that God wants you to have, and He's prepared prepared it beforehand in Christ Jesus for you to walk in. So the problem, because when you don't walk in, the problem is of God or of you. You has it to do anything with your works, or has to do everything with the grace of God? Grace of God. Why? Because the works have already been prepared. Why would God prepare works even before knowing your your life? I mean, if God's goodness is contingent about your works, if God's goodness is contingent uh, with your works, why would He prepare beforehand? Why does He prepare beforehand goodness for you? Because the goodness is not contingent of because of your works. You see the difference? You are blessed not because you are good. You are blessed because God has prepared the blessing beforehand. You see the difference? So you just have to walk it. So you just have to constantly. So if you are falling short of walking in the goodness of God, the problem is what? You. Because you're not walking in grace and in faith in God, in Jesus. Okay, so we know that grace is important. And we've had a lot of passages, but we'll quickly run through. How do we access this faith? There are three things. I want you to remember this. How do you access this grace? Like this grace is so powerful. It can change your life completely. I mean, I'm telling you, impossible things in your life can be changed if you can believe in this grace. You can believe in this grace, impossible things can happen. Because now you know it's not about your works, it's all about grace. So you can now believe for crazy things. And you know what the secret is? When you start believing for crazy things, those are the crazy things that God has prepared for you already. He just causes you to start wanting them in His spirit. You know, so every time you feel a nudge to pray for some crazy things, it's not because you want it. Because God wants to give it to you, but you have to now believe it. You know, it's, a, it's this complex thing that God wants to bless you, therefore He wants you to have it, therefore He puts in your desire to want it. It's exactly the opposite. So it's not your, you are against God. It is you in partnership with God. How do you get that? Start living in the Spirit. Start living in the Spirit and you'll see incredible things come for you. Amen? You, you're, going to, you're going to see miracles happening. How do you access this faith? If this, this grace is so powerful, how do you access it? Tell me how to access it. Number one. Number one, you can access this grace only by faith. So remember that. Faith. Number two, which is the verse for that? Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. We access this grace through faith. So you have to now believe and believe that God wants you to be blessed. You God wants you to do certain things. You have to start believing it and you have to start living in faith. Amen? In any area of your life, relationships, finances, health, you have to believe that God wants you to have it and you have to have faith in it. Right? Number one. Number two. There are only three, three, three methods to access into this faith. Number two is humility. Uh, the, the verse is James chapter 4 verse 6. God gives grace to the humble. Don't come to him saying, I have borne the heat of the day. Seriously. Don't go, go to him with pride. Don't go to him because I have been in the ministry so long. Don't go to him saying that, you know, I have been good to you Lord. Don't go to him like that. Go to him as humble. Lord, teach me master. Teach me Lord. Teach me Lord. Teach me master. Teach me Lord. And if you are humble, God will fill you with grace. Because if you are humble, you are a good vessel that God can show off. If you are pride, you know, I was reading the other day in uh, Proverbs. There are six things that God hates and even seven. And he starts off by a proud look. He starts off first as a proud look. He hates, he hates the pride. So break pride in our lives. Don't let pride come into our life. It will stop the work of grace operating in your life. It's it's a secret. Humility. 
how does humility go operate? I'll, we'll come to it. I'll tell you what stops grace, but let's look at it what access grace. Faith, humility, and finally, can somebody think what's the most, another uh, thing that you can access uh, grace with? Huh? What's it? Thanksgiving is an outworking of faith. Thanksgiving is the highest form of faith. Thanksgiving says, I already know, even though I have not received, that I have already have it. That's faith. What's that? Patience. That is operation of faith. If you have faith, you have patience. Desire. But you think, if you have a desire to access that faith, how do you access the faith? Any, any thoughts? What's that? Grace is unmerited favor. So you're walking into favor. Forgiveness is part of uh, humility. Right? You know something? Interesting, the passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. There are three things. Number one, faith. Number two, humility. Number three, seed. 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 You start seed. If you, if you start sowing seed, God will make grace abound. Automatically. Automatically. So remember that. Seed. Seed. Uh, it is 2 Corinthians verses 6, 7 to 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you having sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. What does he say? I want you to be blessed so much so that when there is a need for anybody, you won't even hesitate to give. I don't want you to give out of sacrifice. That's the old, old style of thinking. I want you to give out of abundance. I want you to give out of abundance. But you will not give out of abundance when you are not blessed. But you can only activate that grace towards you. It's an automatic process. You start sowing into people's life. You start giving into people's life. You start opening your house. You're for ministry. You start spending time for other people. Wow, that grace automatic. It's like a spigot. It just opens and it comes. It'll find a way to get you, get to bless you. It will always find. I'm telling you. I've seen in our finances. We, 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 we've been constantly being faithful, wanting to give, give, give. We see money coming in from all kinds of places. It'll just come in that area. I've seen that we don't have to do anything. It just comes. It'll just come. But in time, if you spend time for God, God will make you fruitful in your work. In every area, seek time. He will cause grace to your bond in your life. You, so what are the three things? I want you to repeat. First, faith, humility, seed. Look, so... Uh, I, today morning I was checking the water in my pool because I felt that the guy did not pull, put uh, salt in it and so we have a strip that you put in and you check the chlorine content and God was telling me uh, chlorine is like grace <laughs> you always need to have a chlorine test in your life have a grace test in your life what is grace? unmerited favor of God right? always check am I enjoying unmerited favor of God in my life? If not, there's a problem. There's a chlorine shortage. You need to start putting seed. You need to start putting faith. And you need to start having humility. If you're not walking in unmerited favor in your life, that means there's a problem. There's a problem. It is not because God is not blessed. God is not good. It's because you have problems. So it's like, no, the brother, that brother is always blessed. That sister is always blessed. But, you know, I always have to struggle in my life. Why? Why do you always have to struggle in your life? Because Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my labor is light. If God says, Jesus says, my labor is light, why are you saying, don't say I born the heat of the day? That means you are not walking in the unmerited favor of God. You have a test. Do a chlorine test in your life. One of these three things must be missing. Either faith is missing, or you're not humble, or you're not sowing. You're not sowing in your life. You need to start sowing in your life. What will stop grace? What will stop grace? Okay? Yeah, the opposite of everything. 
But one thing will surely stop grace. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15. I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Root of bitterness will stop grace in your life. Wow. I tell you, it will open up so many areas of your life. Root of bitterness. I want you to repeat. What? Will stop grace. God cannot bless you even if He wants to if you have root of bitterness in your life. And it can be against your spouse, it can be against your wife, it can be against your husband, it can be against a friend, it can be against your relative, it could be any unforgiveness. If you have root of bitterness in your life, it will stop. And what is the passage? Remember the unforgiving servant? He says, I have forgiven you and I have pardoned all your debts. And this guy goes and puts his servant in prison. And then what does Jesus say? Jesus makes a powerful statement out there in Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35. And he says, So also my heavenly father will not forgive your trespasses. Wow! He goes, he, Jesus says, My heavenly father will not forgive you if you do not forgive others their trespasses. He is not giving an inch of qualification. You no, no, no. You cannot say, no, that guy has really been brutal. He has hit me. He has hurt me. He has wounded me. You cannot. Jesus saying, my heavenly father will not forgive me. Root of bitterness will hurt you, not them. I want you to get this. As believers and the Bible in verse 12, verse 15 says, Keep a watch out for root of bitterness. I'm telling you, root of bitterness stops grace. If grace is not working in your life, it could be most, most, mostly because of root of bitterness. Somewhere there is, you, are, you have envied somebody else. You have, you have not been able to rejoice when somebody else was blessed. You, you, you were jealous of somebody else. Or you were angry with somebody else. And that same grace, which is supposed to now turn around and bless you, starts going back. Automatically. It cannot help because it's a divine law. Don't waste your life in bitterness. Let go. Free the man. Let grace come. Your works cannot help you. Correct? You need grace. Let grace flow towards you. Let grace flow towards you. Don't let bitterness stop. Bitterness can be towards it is the most deceptive of all sins, the root of bitterness, because it grows and grows and grows. And so if there are prayer requests in your life that have not been answered, it is not because of lack of faith. It is because the spigot is closed. It is not open because you shut it down with your bitterness. I want you to get rid of all bitterness. This, this evening time we'll pray specifically for root of bitterness to break open everything and allow grace to flow into your life. Is, are you having unmerited favor in your life? If you are not, you need to check. Start working on this. Faith, humility, and seed. And start working on it. And Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 8, Now you have boldness to approach the throne of grace. You can walk into God's presence because He looks at your how much He can bless you. Now you can boldly walk into the throne of grace. John chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. He says, out of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. In Jesus, you constantly receive one grace after the other. One grace after the other. From Moses came the law, but from Jesus came the grace. Wow. From Moses came law, but from Jesus came grace. Lord, Father, I'm not going to walk in law. I'm not walking in, in, uh, in, the, law, in the law. I'm going to walk in grace. You know, there was one scribe, there was a bunch of scribes that came to Jesus to test him. He said, this is, the, this is the, who's, uh, he said, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? All kinds of trick questions. At the end of that whole passage, there was one scribe that came to Jesus and asked him, Master, you answered rightly, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says the greatest command. He says, No, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
and the scribe says, You have answered rightly. For to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength is better than sacrifices. And Jesus immediately responds to him and says, What? You are not far from the kingdom of God. Why? Because he made one statement at the end of it. What was the statement? Better than sacrifices. Because that that scribe was starting to walk on grace. He's saying, I will love the Lord with all my heart. And it's better than actual sacrifices. It is not just the law. And Jesus says, wow, wow, wow. Did I hear you right? You are, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus could sense guys operating on grace. And how much more you and I who have full revelation on grace. Amen? Do we have a full revelation of grace today? Amen? He wants you to have every good thing. Tell Let's repeat. God wants me to have every good work. Amen? And do you have a verse for it? Yes, I mean, I have a verse for it. You know, there is a verse. There's a verse. Where's the verse? Lord God is the sun and shield. He will, he will give grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he walk withhold from those who walk uprightly. And whose righteousness are you walking in now? You're walking in the righteousness of Jesus. I don't have the words. <laughs> uh, you have to track it down from the... It's in Romans. No, it's in uh, Psalms. Ah, there you go. No good thing will he withhold. No good thing. Not some. No good thing. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk righteously. Whose righteousness are you walking in? Jesus. If you walk in the righteousness of Jesus, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk righteously. So if you're suffering tragedies in your life, Grief in your life is for you to start walking in the favor of God. You need to start walking and believing for it. Faith, humility, and seed. And you can walk in. You see that? Grace glorifies God. Works glorify you. So he prefers grace. He wants to bless you when you don't deserve it. That's how he gets the glory. So every time he blesses you, be quick to give him the glory because more is coming, you know? He'd like to show off more. As King Clement always says, you know? He's likes to he's like he likes to show up. He likes to show up, show off, and take all the glory. <laughs> he likes to show up, show off, and take all the glory. He wants to do that. Hey, but he, we are the only vessels that he can show off, right? So allow him to show off in your life. Be blessed. Walk in grace like never before. Let's pray. Thank you.